unbelievable. <laughs> so as soon as we start recording, a thunderstorm hits and it starts raining so hard, there's probably going to be a tinny sound throughout the entire podcast. Well, I'll see if I can get rid of it in post, but yeah, it, the timing is perfect. Yeah, it just adds to the ambiance. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's pretty appropriate today since our, oh, since you're the host. Since so. our topic is zombies. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Uh, actually, it's going to be pretty rough. Yeah, it's going to be a rough <laughs> podcast because I, James, you recommended we do this topic and I was just like, oh, zombies, those are, you know, fun. Right. I did not realize how dark zombies in real life like actually are yeah, yeah. no joke uh, and when i get to my topic we'll we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more but before we get into the dark stuff oh i guess we should introduce ourselves we keep oh, yeah. we keep forgetting yeah. to do this hi guys i am Cece. i'm alex i'm james and this is the 13th floor podcast where we talk about strange paranormal phenomenon and cryptids and all that fun stuff and some sciencey stuff, like and our time travel episode. Yeah, and some sciencey stuff. But uh, I had a question for you all before we get into the dark, depressing. Zombie. It might be a little fun, but probably not. Um, I <laughs> 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 um, had a question for you all. Okay. This one's kind of related to the one last week. Last week I asked you what your favorite movie was off the top of your head. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you what your favorite ongoing TV show now, this could date the episode, since maybe by the time someone listens to it, the show's over. But I'm asking you, what's your favorite show that's currently going? Like, it's not canceled. It might have a season coming up in a Arrested the Development. Year. Arrested Development, hands down. Oh, that's right. And new season starts. It's like in a week or two or something like that, it's tomorrow. Right? It's it tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow. Oh! <laughs> but you know what? By the time you listen to this uh, podcast, all you listeners out there, it's already going to be out. And we would have already listened it to it, or we already listened to it. We would already watched it. I hope we didn't just listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll already know what happens to the Bluth family by yeah. the time this comes out. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, we usually record our episodes about four weeks, four or five weeks early. Yeah, we record them about a month early. Yeah, so so we're always a little behind on that. But uh, <laughs> man, the rest of the development. What about you, James? Uh, you know, it, it surprises me to say this cause like, I love all of the Fox animation block, but my favorite show right now that's ongoing is the one that Fox didn't follow through with. And that's American dad. It's so oh. good. Yeah. Like, didn't American dad move to what? TNT? I think it's TBS, but maybe it's TNT. Oh, you're right. You're right. It, it is TBS. Is it? Yeah. I love that show. And it just, it's not jump the shark. It's still really good. Really? Yeah. So it didn't take the Family Guy route, or I guess no. I don't know if Cleveland ever jumped a shark, but it it, it knows that pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> what about you, Alex? What's your favorite? Uh, it's a show that I had forgotten about until the last month and a half or so, and I kind of rediscovered it. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, oh, yeah. I, oh man! So uh, like I, ten. I want to go back to now on my answer. So, I remember my freshman year of college is when I discovered the show, and I think it was in the middle of its third season. Mm. And over the years, I like I've, I kept up with it until I graduated from college, and I kind of fell off. And I was quit getting cable and stuff. And man, I re- we recently watched uh, seasons twelve and thirteen, I believe it is. So freaking <clears throat> funny! If you've never seen the show, I suggest somebody watch the water park episode. If you want to get the entire show in encapsulation, I mean, the show's 
just it's so impressive that it still covers topics that it does today now that people are so easily offended. It's uh it's so good. I recommend it for anyone who wants something a little outrageous. It's very fun. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Oh. What's your favorite zombie movie? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Maybe I need to ch- change my questions to something more relevant to the episode. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh goodness. Uh Man, that's a good one. You could go with a classic like the Day of the Dead or Wait, yeah. Day of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead. I, I think that's dead. actually I think that's actually my favorite. I, I love Night of the Living Dead, the 1968 version. It's yeah. a nice, good classic choice. Yeah. It is fun, a classic. Fun choice. little bit of trivia: they screwed up with the copyright on that, and it became eminent domain immediately. Uh, what's his face? Never saw a nickel from that movie for that reason. Oh, really? Yeah, or a public domain, not eminent domain. Yeah, so <laughs> eminent domain. The government yeah. took, took the movie and did yeah. whatever they wanted with it. But yeah, <laughs> any anybody can print and sell Night of the Living Dead. It's not copyrighted. They screwed oh, up. Interesting. When they made it. Oh, I know bad, my right? new business. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, a lot of people would probably debate whether this is a zombie movie or not because mm. it's got the running zombies. Uh, um, 28 okay. Days Later. Oh, oh absolutely qualifies. Yeah, that's I, a good one. I love that movie. Like the soundtrack in it, and that was what, that was the first movie where I discovered uh, Danny Boyle as a director. Oh, He's got, so good. It's got Killian Murphy in it, right? Yeah, I know you got some <laughs> weird attraction for that weird man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that my favorite—I can't even remember the name of the movie—but it's the one with the zombie who falls in love with the girl that's alive. Oh, uh, warm bodies. Yeah, warm bodies. Really? Oh, I don't goodness. like scary. I don't like scary movies. So the fact that that is, it's endearing. I thought that it was a a good zombie movie, in my opinion. I am absolutely shocked that none of us said Zombieville. I've never seen it. Oh no, no, yeah. Zombieland. Sorry, Zombieland. Uh, it's good, but uh, it's not good. Good. Oh man, I, I love that movie. I absolutely love that movie, and the and the sequel's coming out soon. Yeah. But uh, Zombieland or Shaun of the Dead? That's also good, but yeah, it's not. You know, like if I'm in a mood for a zombie movie, that's not what I turn to. I want I want something that makes me want a shotgun and like some fencing <laughs> to board up the windows, that kind of stuff. Absolutely, no, no, that stuff like. It gives me nightmares. I remember when I was in in college, we had to write a. We were learning about the horror genre in film class, mm. and we had to watch the newer um, version of was it Night of the Living Dead? No, uh, you had to watch uh, Zack Snyder's uh, well, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, and uh. just watching the first ten minutes of that movie gave me nightmares and i was like i never want to see a zombie in real life i, I hated his version though I oh really i loved it. it no i loved it <laughs> original was so much better no so yeah I, i'm a little split i really do like his remake yeah. though especially I, that for like you were saying that first 10 minutes is yeah phenomenal. first 10 minutes were good but like I, I, the cgi i think is what took me out of it there were too many shiny looking zombies ah i didn't get yeah. far enough into it to see the shiny looking zombies <laughs> Man. Hmm. Anyways. I'll be interested when we talk about vampires because I have an unusual favorite vampire movie. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. In the meantime, I guess it, I guess we can talk about some, some zombies. Do we have to? Yes, we okay. do. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> Actually, I learned a lot. And there's this is another one of those like the Montauk 
where I had no idea this stuff was going on. Of course, people are doing all kinds of testing and stuff. So my topic is essentially Russian slash Soviet experiments. To create zombies. Yeah, that's the ultimate end goal. Yes. So uh, because I'm going to be having some CC moments where I can't pronounce these names, I can't even get close. Everyone's getting a nickname in this story. So I got most of my information from an excerpt from a book called How to Make a Zombie by Frank Swain. This and this is a nonfiction. This is nonfiction. Ooh. I'm not going to read you all fiction. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is nonfiction. Okay. So in Russia, there's this guy named Sergei. And I'm going to give everybody his name one chance. And then we're going to their nicknames. Okay. His name is Sergei Broikhoneko. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see how. <laughs> the girl who can't pronounce anything. Briakoneko. <laughs> Sergei Briakoneko. Okay. There we go. Or he's, or as he's going to be called for the rest of the story, Sergei 1. Sergei 1. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> for reasons you will soon see. Briakoneko. So, he graduated from Moscow University back in 1914. So this goes pretty far back. And I'm, James, I guess I'm going to spoil your... I want to know a spoiler for yours, but how far back does yours go? Um, time immemorial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I won that pissing match or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I figured yours went before mine, but I didn't realize that far back. Okay. So <laughs> 1914, relatively recently. Um, he was drafted into the Imperial Russian Army. He went through the war, saw the unimaginable horrors, you know, uh, mustard gas, all that kind of stuff that was going on. And afterward, he was also, he wasn't really involved, but he was there during the Russian Revolution, which was when the when the country got turned into the Soviet Union. And he started working in a, in a, a very prominent hospital, and he began turning his attention towards his now famous experiments. And this is at a time where the medical field is, growing like crazy penicillin and insulin are discovered. So that's this time frame. Hmm. Um, So he decided he wanted to focus on the intricate working of organs. So in order to study this, he has to get organs to work outside of the body. So he'll, he'd take, he would take a, a dead animal or a dead human and get their body outside and rig them up so that he could get the lungs to function or get the heart to beat. That was his ultimate goal. And by get their body outside, you mean like take their organs out of their bodies, not like put right. their body out in a field in the middle of. Yeah, he just throws them. He throws them outside. He <laughs> he just takes what he needs, tosses them out the window, leaves it for somebody else to find. Okay. And so <clears throat> he pursued these experiments for about three years, and he presented his research to. Uh, they call it the Second Congress of Russian Pathologists. And he showed them all all the things that he had created, this heart-lung machine that he had created that would take uh, the heart and lungs of dogs and essentially revive them and so that they were working with a blood flow. All right, so this machine that he presented was comprised of two electric pumps. And essentially one pumped fresh blood in that had been oxygenated, oxygenated and warmed up. Cool. And the other one retracted the old blood. Uh, the problem was he didn't have it sealed airtight 
So within maybe an hour or less, usually less, and it's for early on, the blood will start to coagulate and it start decomposing. The subject would die. Yeah. Well, the subject would re-die. Man. So he kept doing his uh experiments until eventually he got it up to he said he got it up to 100 minutes just how long he could keep a dog alive uh and this this device that he used he started calling the autojector and it was it'd be the device he would use from now on for the rest of his uh career he would refine it and so surprisingly after revealing his research nobody cared no one cared, uh, and so. So, what would have been what would have been his purpose for creating this? Like, what was his end goal? Well, well, his per- his original purpose is to study how the organ functions. That uh, makes sense. Uh, because it, you can't really do that on a living being without leaving it prone to infection and all kinds of things like that. And mm-hmm. you know, who would want you to leave them open? Yeah, while they're living. Uh, but that that was his initial thing was he wanted to see how organs functioned and he wanted to study them in their working capacity. And this was the only way he could do it. Well, as mankind likes to do, they keep taking it further. So he continues his experiments. He presents them again. No one's impressed again, somehow. It's not that they're not impressed. It's that no one's, it doesn't catch media attention like he thought it would. So he, he keeps working and he eventually takes on a colleague named Sergei Chechulin, who I'm going to call Sergei too. <laughs> Sergey two, uh, he's not nearly as important as Sergey one, and he almost immediately leaves this story, or at least he kind of hangs out in the background. So six months later, okay, so it's a year he presents his stuff again. No one cares. Six months later, he presents it, and suddenly the media go- goes all over it, and the this results in him getting funding and expanding his experiments to the point where. People were even starting to get ideas on like, hey, maybe this can lead to a future where we don't need our bodies anymore. People started thinking that way. Uh, it even got to a point where American schools had, were getting to hear this story. Mm. And we're hearing about uh, someone in their paper presented this. At, uh, I think it was, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was like Massachusetts or Maine. Um, and they presented this and it kind of led to people being worried about what can the Russians do because they hear about these dogs that are being reanimated. And so it's kind of a game of telephone because then they start to hear vague reports of them reanimating people. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It turns out that they were not quite there in the story yet, but it turns out that they weren't quite too far off. The, and this was uh, around the time these reports were coming along. Uh, he had finally kept a head alive of a, a severed head of a dog. And this is Sergey one. This is Sergey one with the assistance of Sergey two. Okay. This is colleague. Okay. He's cat in the hat. Kind of so during, during this time, they had <laughs> cat in the hat. Um, they had kept a dog head alive, and the rumor was that it had been for about three and a half hours. So, so the- it's just a head with his autojector attached to it, and they keep the head alive. Cece's got a really sad look on her face, everybody. Yeah, as she should. As she should. Uh, And I'll go ahead and talk about it, even though I think the video is from 1940, where the dog is. No. James, I'm not going to go too too into it. James, 
This uh, made me hate you for giving because th- this is the second time we've had James give out the uh, our each of our topics. Yes, I think the other one was Montauk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I wish I'd <laughs> never watched this video, but th- there's a real video online on YouTube. If you are so inclined to look it up, don't do it. I would suggest not. Uh, I don't have a problem with things. Things don't really bother me. This really got to me. Yeah. Like to the point where I had to close my computer and be like, I'm done for the night. I can't research anymore. I Uh, did not watch the video, but I watched Alex's reaction to the video and it was not pretty because as he said, he does not get affected by things very often, but this really got to him. But I'm going to give a very quick spark notes version so that those who are a little morbidly curious can know. And hopefully this will deter people from watching it and being scarred for the night. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially they keep the head alive and they do tests and the dog is still reacting to things, sounds, uh, stimuli being touched in the face and the dog is still reacting. It, it is disturbing. And if I had known that it was going to be real, I thought it was fake. That's why I watched it. Uh, it was not I fake. See. Yeah. It was I, not I, fake. I wish that I'd thought about it cause I would have warned you because yeah, that, uh, <laughs> I saw that a long, long time ago, and I think I repressed it until this year, like, because, yeah, it was super messed up. Yeah, it is. Um, So, keeping a head alive is one thing, but raising the dead is another. Mm. So, Sergei One was not the first person in Russia to try to do this. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And they're going to tie in together. Let me guess. Let me guess. It was Sergey 3. No, Sergey 3 has not appeared yet. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So the first person to do this was in 1902, a man named Alexei Alexandrovich. Alexei. Kuliapko. Alexei. I guess it is. Or Alexei. No, it's probably Alexei. Or Triple A for short. Yeah, Triple A. No, his name is Fishman. Fish man. <laughs> As we will get to later. Um, so it, he started out with a rabbit heart and he got it to start. He, the, the rabbit died and 48 hours later he revived it and the, the rabbit wasn't alive, but the heart was. Um, and then he went on and he did it with other animals and he got all the way up to the animal being dead for five days before he revived the heart. Well, I'm going to skip the next one of the one of the things he revived. Uh, it's kind of disturbing as well. Yeah, don't talk about it. I don't want to hear about uh, it. Oh man, what he started doing to revive these hearts, human hearts especially, was he started using the solution created by Frank Spiller Locke. He was this British physiologist, and it was just con- this concoction. And so this mixture, Frank Spiller found that would would get hearts to pump after post-mortem Fishman was able to use this and revive severed fish heads via a technique of artificial circulation. Oh, okay. Another guy named Fyodor Andreev, we call him dog reviver. Dog reviver. (laughs) That's a really good name for a metal band. (laughs) (laughs) He succeeded in resuscitating an electrocuted dog. By injecting it with the lock solution and giving it a shock to its heart, so like I don't know if it would, I don't know if I would say the first defibrillator. I don't know when that was created, but essentially he created a defibrillator. 
And he also put some uh, adrenaline in the dog as well, which oh, from like, anyone who's seen an action movie knows that that immediately revives you. Yeah, I was thinking of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so he was able to bring these dogs back to life after a short death. Fishman had found out about Sergei One's experiments. Mm-hmm. And upon doing so, he had declared that he was his kind of stuff was starting to fade. Uh, so he tried to reanimate a human. And this, As one this does. Fishman? Fishman is going to try to reanimate a human. Okay. Because he's heard about uh, Sergei Sergey One's experiments. So him and Dog Reviver team up to revive a person. Well, it gets a little weird. Uh they get the corpse on the operating table. They get all these pumps to get the blood pumping and the heart starts beating. And then the man starts to, his chest starts to heave violently and he starts to make this wet choking sound. Ew. And it goes on for about 20 minutes. That's terrible. And all the assistants flee the room. Absolutely terrified. Fishman and dog reviver. Don't leave. How long was the... Do they know how long the subject was, like, dead? Let me see. Uh, one day. He had died That's during quite, surgery the day before. Quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they kept his heart beating for 20 minutes, and eventually it just stopped. Well, mm. Andreev had kind of decided that his time is kind of wrapping up because Sergey One's experiments look to see, seem so fruitful compared to his. This dog head staying alive for so long. Clearly a mark of something maybe a little more advanced than what he was working with. So I, lo- I love that that's what, what, he, what made him like give up the ghost rather than just the fact that it's all so screwed up. Well, you know what else probably contributed to it is that he wasn't supposed to be doing this. Oh? Yeah. Uh, He had jumped the gun on his experiments and apparently had been doing this illegally. Okay. In the name of science. But apparently reports had leaked out about it. And so, Sergei Wan thought, hey, that's a good idea. Oh, no. Sergei Wan tried it too? Sergei Wan tries it too, to much more... I don't want to know. Yeah, you do want to know. Did he just do a certain part of the human? No, I want to tell you. Uh, okay, so eventually they brought on another man, Sergey Three. Of course, <laughs> a third Sergey. Yeah, so Sergey One, Sergey Two had had a lot of success with their dogs. So they bring in Sergey Three, who's an experimental surgeon, and he's going to be the one to help implement their system into a human by trying to, to revive them. So a man kills himself. And they get the body three hours afterwards. Mm. And so they connect the man up to the machine. And they started running the machine. And soon they could hear a heartbeat. And as um, Fishman had experienced, they heard the, the gurgle sound a little bit. He wasn't the, the guy wasn't violently thrashing a little bit like the other guy was. But this guy's eyes opened. Ooh. And he stared at the doctor's. And they described it, he stared as a man in a stupor might do. And the reanimation lasted for two minutes. And then the the uh, experimenters were 
so horrified that they immediately switched off the pumps, essentially <sighs> killing the patient back. This is killing like HP Lovecraft, but real. And it's nuts. Sergey one never experimented on a human again and decided to stick to his dogs. That kind of makes me angrier, actually, but yeah. <clears throat> it's a little all over the place, and it's got quite a few characters in it, but they all kind of tie into each other. Yeah. And this happened so long ago that they don't know if the guy was like actually like his brain was actually working. Like I know they say that his eyes opened, but yes. do they know if his brain was working? I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, I mean, because it's like you if know, the body had been dead for three yeah. hours. I'd I mean, say, I'd say portions, maybe like maybe the reptile part of the brain, but not like the the more conscious. Yeah, I would say. By their description of the look in his eyes, it tells me that his eyes were just open, mm. staring. Probably, mm. I don't okay. know if it, uh, I don't. I didn't pick up from the description that he looked around the room. Right. But okay. Maybe he did. Ooh. <laughs> Immensely disturbing. Yeah, and there was an interesting thing. Uh, I believe it was Fishman <laughs> was the head at the hospital of Sergey One, and he was the one that kind of pushed Sergey to do. What kind of hospital were they? I mean, this is nuts. I know. I know. So it sounds like Fishman had a hand in getting Sergei started on the reanimation track. Man. Do they have any, any like firsthand accounts from the lab assistants? You know, that's an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. I, I think that that would be interesting to hear what one of them would have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Man. the ones that were involved in Fishman's. Right experiment because that one sounds even more terrifying. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that it sounds horrifying. It's all horrifying. Yeah. And I know that they've got like we know the dog stuff actually happened, but I don't know. Like I, I think that it's just me hoping that this isn't real. Trying to think, okay, maybe this didn't actually happen, and these are just stories. I did see that some people dispute the dog head video, but yeah. it's 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 widely accepted that it's real. Right, and it after seeing it. I didn't see anything that told me yeah. it was probably fake. It uh, it kind of reminds me, like, even earlier on in England, um, Charles Darwin's grandpa, Erasmus, like, he would uh, he would put electrodes on corpses, like, executed people, and they would, you know, move around. Again, in that case, it's more like the chemical element. It's like salting frog legs. I mean, it scared right. the crap out of people. People would see this and it freak them out. And one of the people who heard about it was uh, Mary Shelley, and it was part of the inspiration for Frankenstein. It was Charles Darwin's grandpa? Cool. Yeah, I think I have heard <laughs> something like that. That's cool. yeah, trippy. I think that Mary Shelley also had a dream about Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, she had a lot of inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that—that's a book that holds up surprisingly well. It does. And how old was she? Wasn't she like sixteen? Yeah, she was really young, though. and it's kind of sad because it was her best work. Uh, yeah, she peaked young. She peaked young. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but, man, that's a good book. I've had to read it like three different times. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for telling us all those disturbing things, Alex. Thank you, and oh, you're man. welcome for your nightmares tonight. Yeah, hopefully, James, <laughs> I know that yours is probably going to be just as dark, but hopefully not quite as dark. You know, normally, like, if I'd started, I'd be like, man, this is a dark story. But now, honestly, this is like... Care Bears <laughs> compared to, <laughs> to the USSR. I mean, at least in mine, nobody's really dying. Um, okay, uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about the actual zombie zombies, like from history. These, these are 100% real. This isn't like, you know, 
makeup and, and people staggering around. This is real zombie stuff. And uh, it originates, a lot of people when they think of zombies, they think of Hades. And that's really where it, it comes from, like fully formed. But it goes back a little further. And by a little, I mean like to antiquity, like prehistory in uh, Central Africa. And uh, if you look at the Congo language, they got this word zombie or zumbi. And zombi means, I'm not making fun of Africans, by the way. Don't sue me. Just that's how they talk. Zumbi <laughs> uh, means God, and zumbi means fetish. And in the, in the magical sense, not in the, you know, Mistress Kelly sense. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the creator deity, deity in fact, his name is Zambia Pungu. And, uh, and this even goes all the way, like, etymologically, if you, if you look at modern zombie culture in Louisiana and at voodoo, they have Le Grand Zombie, which is like a serpent deity. So there, there's this connection between African religion and the etymology of the word. And you even see it, like, if you go to the Caribbean, they have Jumbi, which I'm pretty sure was the uh, inspiration for Jumbi from uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, actually. Uh, I don't have hard evidence for that, but yeah. Um, but the idea of, like, uh, an, an inanimate corpse, or an animated corpse, rather, that's that's a little different in terms of terminology. You know, the, the, the Songa people, they've got these concepts where, like, a spirit can can sort of be pulled out of a body and then the spirit can do labor or the body can do labor it just sort of depends on the circumstances and that's really what a zombie is a zombie is a corpse that's turned into a slave either either their spirit or their body and we of course in modern times associate it with the body and that's because of haiti um so fast forward of several millennia to haiti you've got the slave trade going on and a mixture of African folk religions has led to the creation of voodoo or voodoo. And part of that belief system involves Baron Samedi, who's sort of like the, the, the Lord of the dead. Everybody knows him. Even if you don't know the name, he's the dude with the top hat and the skull face and the cigar who looks all cool. And incidentally, if I remember right, I might be misremembering this, but this is from like a long time ago when I studied voodoo, uh, no comment on further on that. But, uh, but I'm pretty sure Baron Samedi's wife is actually, like I said, all these religions mixed together. Uh, Baron Samedi's wife is Bridget from Celtic mythology, uh, or a bastardization of Bridget, rather. Um, but anyway, you got these anyway, slaves. I, I just have so many I know, questions, I know. James. He, it, he just, just glossed over so much. Oh, man. <laughs> well, anyway, the slave trade is, is just on fire <laughs> in Haiti. and it becomes sort of part of that religion. Uh, for example, Samedi, whenever people you know, ultimately die, he would gather the dead together to go to an afterlife in Africa. So heaven is in Africa, uh, but if they didn't live a good life, he would punish them. How? By making them a slave, as they already were in life, forever in death. Mm. So that was, that was like, and, and some, some people even claim that Slave drivers would actually use that against the slaves. They, you know, like as you can probably imagine, suicide was pretty common. The slave drivers they would actually use that as an argument. It's like you know, well, yeah, anybody who hangs themselves uh, rather than serving as a slave, they'll just be a slave forever. Uh, so it became part of that that culture. Now, 
up until now, we're just talking about shamanism. We're just talking about magic. So it's not really like real, real. Except something interesting has actually happened in Haitian culture. And presumably there's some precursors in Central Africa, but they're no longer around. But they're real flipping zombies, you guys. Um, one of my personal heroes, Wade Davis, he, he's an ethnobotanist from Harvard. He wrote um, The Serpent and the Rainbow, real well-known book. I mean, oh, yeah, that yeah. one. This dude, he's basically, he's basically, <laughs> oh, oh, you're being so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, the dude's basically Nathan Drake in real life or, or Indiana Jones. This dude's I amazing. I can get behind that. Yeah. Okay. He, he goes to all these places. Oh, I mean, seriously, Alex, you would love reading more about this guy. He's amazing. Interesting. But, uh, okay. I'm intrigued. Yeah. yeah. But he traveled to Haiti and he investigated and he's the dude who sort of realized like, Hey, there's a, there's a scientific explanation for this. The the people of Haiti, they've got this stuff, zombie powder, real flipping zombie powder that they call coup de poudres, whatever. Um, and it has two main ingredients. It's got a lot of stuff in it, a lot of deliriance, a lot of stuff. But the main ingredients are tetrodotoxin, which is the stuff in fugu puffer fish that kills you if it's not properly prepared. And the other is datura, which people... Uh, Jimson weed, you know, like like that's the stuff that in Kentucky teenagers smoke when they can't get weed. Um, <laughs> anyway, a combination of these two main ingredients causes a person to enter a state similar to death. And the person who engages in this, the shaman who who's making these slaves, they're called the bokor. And they die. They're buried. They're put in a tomb, whatever. Later on, the bokor shows up, digs them up. And they're in sort of a stupor state and it, for a long time. And they turn them into slaves. These bokors do. They sell them or they keep them themselves to like, you know, pick sugar cane and, or whatever, whatever they need do, getting done. And the most famous case of this, I, I cannot emphasize enough that this really happened, is Clervius Narcisse, who was born in 1922 in Lester, in Haiti, as you might imagine. And he died in 1964, except he died before that. <laughs> oh. uh, what happened 18 years before his normal death, um, he died and they buried him. And a Bokor came and dug him up because apparently they had drugged him initially. They take him out to their plantation or whatever you want to call it. And they have him and other zombies do forced labor. And he, Every once in a while, he just needs another pick-me-up. Like, he's, he starts to remember who he is. The Vocor gives him some more of that zombie powder, and he's back working and not knowing who he is. So he does this for 18 years, and then some villagers just happen to see him, and they're like, hey, that's that dude we buried, like, almost two decades ago. And the word got out to his family and then after a while, uh, you know, nobody believed it. And then one day he just like shows up at their door like, hey, uh, I don't remember anything, but I've been a zombie on a sugar plantation, guys, for 18 years. And this is not an isolated case. He's just the most famous one. How long was he dead for before they dug him um, back up? It's usually within a 24-hour period. And, and, okay. and to, to, I cannot emphasize enough that this form of death, the heart is so shallow, you don't notice. The blood pressure is so low, you don't notice. So a doctor would declare you dead, 
but it's not like with the USSR. I mean, he was not dead on a cellular level at any point. Okay, so it's like those movies where they take the pill that makes them look like right. they're dead. It's kind of like it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's you, you take something and you you temporarily die, kind of sort of. Suspended animation would probably be a better term, but that's where we sort of get. I mean, it's obviously evolved in pop culture all the way up till um, you know, Night of the Living Dead was like the real the zombies we recognize, but the mindless human being who just does as they're told. That that comes straight out of real life. That comes straight out of Haitian voodoo ritual, and it comes from these these compounds. Mm. Yeah. Wow! So they could have just drugged these people and not buried them, and they still would have been like this, right? Yeah, temporarily. I mean, they would have got up and started walking around. And according, see, a lot of this is very secret. Like, like we don't know all the details to like how to make perfect zombie powder and whatnot. According to some sources, the Bokor has kind of like an antidote to revive them. And then if you don't give them the antidote, they'll just straight up die, which is possible. It's probably uh, a good thing that we don't have that recipe. Right. It begs the question, though, if, if you can revive somebody with, after poisoning with tetrodotoxin, couldn't we use that antidote? Like, so that way you don't have to worry if you eat fugu. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> we need to we need to like have like a cross-cultural exchange between Japan and Haiti. <sighs> Man, so... Did they bury the bodies to, yeah. I guess, trick the families? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 100% real. I mean, there there are real zombies. Wow. Yeah. Messed Oof. up. So, Cece, you've got an explanation of how there could be a zombie apocalypse, right? Or something I like that. am. Yeah, let's let's talk about something a little. Well, no, it's still terrifying. My topic's not. not <laughs> it's still better. about the end of the world. Yeah. So I I researched whether or not a zombie apocalypse really could happen in real life. Um, now, is your zombie apocalypse like everybody's farming sugarcane, or is everybody no. just trying to eat each other? Everybody's trying to. It's it's there. There are some blurry lines when it comes to the zombie apocalypse. Okay, because when when people when you guys picture a zombie apocalypse, uh, what specifically in your mind do you think of? Um, the breakdown of society and everybody's running and hiding from animated corpses that want to eat them. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that is basically what we see in movies and in pop culture these days. And is that possible? No, but also <laughs> maybe yes. Yes. In a sense. Um, so when I think of zombie symptoms, and that's kind of where I started with my research. What are the symptoms of being a zombie? So obviously dead, reanimated corpse, mm-hmm. uh, hungry for brains. People yep. want to eat you. Uh, aggression and rotting skin. Those are four of the, the main symptoms that I personally think of and that we, we see a lot in pop culture. So in real life, there are some things that can cause the symptoms that I just listed but not all of the symptoms at once, not at least that we're aware of. So take dead for being instance. <laughs> true death is... Seems like a fairly normal occurrence. Yeah, true death. <laughs> true death cannot be reversed. Do you guys agree? Hmm. So you've got a dog head that you're pumping blood into. Well, was that dog... Well, that dog probably was... Well... No, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, well, one could argue that somebody could have a near-death experience... Right. Um, yeah. Ooh, that's one we should do sometime. Yeah. Yeah. 
near-death experience, somebody's died on the operating table for 10 minutes, and then miraculously their heart starts beating and they're back alive. Yeah, that happens occasionally, but, you know, just think of the it's near death. It's not completely dead. Right. So when a person is completely dead, you know, their heart stops beating, their brain is dead um, for a, a prolonged period of time, a person cannot be resurrected. Okay. Unless you're Jesus, but we're not talking about the big guy right now, okay? (laughs) So um, that throws a big wrench in the biggest symptom of becoming a real-life zombie. Okay. As far as we know, when someone is truly 100% dead, they cannot be. I guess that's true. Yeah. Because even my my guy's experiments never fully resurrected anything. Yeah. Yeah. One thing thing that I think is very interesting is that the – what defines death is still like even to this day a little bit blurry. Mm. Yeah. Because death happens in stages. Right. Um, so somebody, you know, somebody can appear to be dead, like what James has described with his Haitian zombies. Somebody can appear to be dead, but they're not fully dead, um, I guess on a molecular level. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, there but there that being said, there are some other symptoms that are technically possible in real life. Uh-huh. Okay, a, a virus that creates behavior similar to that of a zombie in real life. Are you ready for it? 28 days later. Perhaps you've heard of it. Rabies. Oh, oh that was right. 28 days later. Oh, rabies. Is it 28 days later? I think it is because they call it the rage virus, I think, or something it's like that. It's a rage virus. As a child, rabies always terrified me because... Me too. Well, yeah, you grew up on a farm, James. I'm sure that you saw rabies in real life. Oddly, I didn't. i just terrified of the idea, yeah. Well, I remember growing up, there was a possum that was wandering around our street one day. And me being a stupid kid, I walked right up to it. And thank God it didn't bite me. Uh But yeah, my neighbor yelled at me and I ran away from it. But it it had a little foamy mouth and (laughs) it totally had rabies. So praise God, my my neighbor saved my life that day. (laughs) But um, we just walked up to it. I didn't realize I was probably like 10 or 11. I had no idea what rabies was. Oh, you know, the weird thing about that is possums, like their body temperature is a lot lower than any other mammals. Like the odds of a possum getting rabies is like almost non-existent. Well, to be fair, we don't know if the possum had rabies for sure. Cece's just assuming. It had rabies. It had rabies. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, rabies is a very serious and deadly virus if you are unlucky enough to catch it. It is mostly spread by getting bitten by an infected animal. So the virus sp- spreads through body fluids, especially saliva, and it has an incubation period of about 10 days. So it does move through the body rather quickly. So most people, if, if you get bitten by an animal with rabies and it goes untreated, you're going to die pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it attacks its host central nervous system and symptoms include confusion, irritability, aggression, involuntary muscle contractions, convulsions. Excess salivation and foaming at the mouth, fear of water, and paralysis. And if if untreated, eventual death. Yeah. So it's yeah. not something to be messed with. Yeah, under fear of water, when I was a kid, that's what they all called rabies is hydrophobia. Yep. Yeah, which I always thought was maybe a, uh, I don't want to say folk tale, but, I, you know, an old wives' tale that you'd be afraid of water. Uh, but it's actually true. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, it's, it's presumably animals panic around water because they actually, their jaw seizes and they can't drink. 
Right. So they're actually upset because it's like they're being tormented. Yeah. Right. It's the same Ooh. thing for people though, too, is that it's, it's because they can't, they're, they're, they're with their throat, right? It yeah. Gets, uh, yeah, yeah that's throat, right. Like, throat. Up, but they can't drink. They can't yeah. drink. And I think there's a reason for that. Uh, there's a really great podcast called this podcast will kill you. And they do Ooh. an in-depth episode about rabies and it is very interesting and very terrifying. And I do recommend that podcast to anyone who is interested in infectious diseases. Yeah, Ooh. it's very good. Yeah, this yeah. podcast will kill you. But fortunately, there is a rabies vaccine. But once you start exhibiting rabies symptoms, it's almost impossible to come back from. So if you get bit by an animal, go, go to the hospital immediately. Go get it seen about it. You ain't going to lose anything. Yeah, even if you don't know if the animal had rabies. And really, one of the only ways to check to see if an animal has rabies is you have to kill it and check its brain. Yeah. So... Hmm. Um, you just crack it, crack it open. It says rabies on top. <laughs> <laughs> but rabies, overall, rabies is probably the most zombie-like virus that we currently know about because of its tendency to make its hosts act more aggressively, and um, it's basically an attempt to spread itself. So rabies is spread su- through saliva and body fluids. If uh, an animal gets rabies, it's going to lash out at people so that it can bite them, and then you know it's spread. Sounds very familiar. Yes, it sounds mm. like Dawn of the Dead. Or any zombie. Any zombie movie, <laughs> essentially. Um, but it is very important to note that there are currently no records of human-to-human rabies transmission. Really? Yes. Trippy. That's pretty impressive. I would have thought there had been at least a couple. But I guess, I guess when a human contracts it, they die so fast they, compared to animals. Yes. Rabies kills pe- people or any animal that has it very quickly, so it's hard to spread. At least, and humans also, because of we, we have, you know, more self control, more self control. Even if you have it, most humans know, okay, I shouldn't bite the nurse that is taking care of me. <laughs> Goodness. So, but as it exists right now, rabies probably couldn't cause a zombie apocalypse. But that being said, viruses mutate, you guys. So, All God only knows. If this virus, if the rabies virus can mutate in the future, or God forbid somebody genetically engineer rabies to make it even scarier than it already is. Which, if we're being honest, someone's probably already done. Somebody's probably yeah. already done it, probably working on it, which is horrifying. Well, Let's I'm just take like a moment right now to pray to God <laughs> that this never happens. Oh, we're actually going to sit in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Father, Son of the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> Um, other than viruses, there are some parasites and funguses that can cause zombie-like symptoms. And I, this is another word that Cece can't pronounce. James, you probably know this. Genetics. Ophiocordyceps. Oh, yeah. Oh, you said it right. Ophiocordyceps. Yes. I got, that's one. You can mark down one for me. Yeah. Ophiocordyceps. Uh, it's a fungus that turns ants into zombies. Yes. Yeah. It's very cool. It inspired the uh, the zombies, I guess, in quotes, in the video game, The Last of Us. I read yeah. a full article about that. And it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When an ant gets infected with this fungus, the fungus basically just takes over the ant's central nervous system, and it basically hijacks its mind. So it makes this ant climb to the top of uh, some type of vegetation usually like a blade of grass, Mm -hmm. and then it chomps down. (laughs) (laughs) That pop sound was something else. (laughs) I have no idea how I made that. Yeah, that was really good. 
Anyways. So it chomps down. Yeah, this ant chomps down onto the top of a blade of grass and it dies. And then this little like horn grows out of its head that spreads more of the fungal spores. So then uh, an animal walks by and bites into it. And then it's got the fungus inside of it too. Man. Uh, Yeah, the, the, was it Ophiocordyceps? Yeah, Yeah. Ophiocordyceps. That's pretty cool. You can yeah. learn more about this fungus on LiveScience.com, which is where I learned about it. Yeah, there's some pretty cool videos on it, too. Yeah. It's also horrifying. It is frightening. Thinking that it could transfer to humans. I mean, it, it's a pretty big leap, but yeah. transferring to humans is not that big. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just on a sidebar, I got all of my information on rabies from a really great website called kidshealth.org. <laughs> it taught me all about how to teach my child about rabies and how to prevent rabies. So make your child smarter. Make your child safer. Yeah, yeah. Don't go and pet a strange wild animal. Like Cece does whenever she's a cat outside. I do. I, mm. You know what? I learned something while reading that website. Yeah. Stay away from wild Don't animals. pet stray cats. Okay? I get it. <laughs> so anyway, I'd also like to... Um, Touch on another really really terrifying thing that can cause someone to exhibit zombie-like symptoms. James, I know you already know what prions are. Can you tell everyone what a prion is? Yeah, I guess. Oh, man. (laughs) Prions are messed up. Okay, well, everybody probably knows what a virus is. And they know that viruses aren't really alive. And they know that a virus is a protein coat with DNA inside of it. And the DNA gets injected. Well, prions are simpler than that. They're just proteins. They're just the protein coat, not the DNA. And what happens is these proteins, they fold the wrong way. And then when they interact with other cells that have proteins in them, their proteins start folding the wrong way. So it's, it's the weirdest thing because it's, it's not intentional, like when a virus infects someone, but it is contagious. It's, yes. it's more like a, it's almost like a glitch on a cellular level. Like that's, that's how the best way to describe it. A, a prion is like a cellular glitch. They're and terrifying. The, yeah. And the best way to get a prion is to consume the brain or cerebrospinal fluid of your own species, which is why it's usually observed whenever cannibalism is, you know, part of a culture or in the case of mad cow, when we started feeding cows, cows. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. cool. That's interesting. I had no idea that, that that's how mad cow, why mad cow disease yep. spread. Yes. Yep. Proteins mess up, and then next thing you know, you got holes in your brain. Yes, it basically turns the the brain of a host into Swiss cheese, essentially. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, it's terrifying. I but, like cheese, but not like that. No, not like that. <laughs> yeah, prions are responsible for a number of neurodegenerative diseases, like mad cow, and, as James just said. And in the news right now, you guys, this is happening right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's an outbreak in the United States deer population. And it's called, technically, it's called chronic wasting disease, but it's been dubbed zombie deer disease. Yeah. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really cause zombie-like symptoms, like how we picture it, but it does cause these deer who are infected to kind of become fatigued and listless and they just kind of wander around. Because their brain is essentially becoming a piece of Swiss cheese. So deer are eating each other? Uh, That's what originally caused it, presumably, is is some douchebag. Can I say douchebag? 
was <laughs> probably raising deer because a lot of people do it commercially and start a, I don't want to feel, I don't want to buy no food for it and feed the other deer or something. Something happened. Uh, something had to happen like that to, for them to get this prime. Or then again, you know, deer do sometimes supplement their diet by eating like bird brains. So, I mean, they'll, they'll just nosh on a bird that's not flying around. It's creepy as all get out. Maybe that's how it happened. I don't know. But yeah, public service announcement. Don't eat deer brains, guys. Yeah, don't eat, don't eat. Well, I guess officials are worried that this could possibly jump over into humans because they're not sure. The good thing is, is if it jumps over to humans, at least we don't eat each other. Yeah, yeah. Typically. And if we do, we turn into Wendigos. Exactly. <laughs> that's, no. the, that's what we call the it. The only right. cure for zombification is Wendigo curse. <laughs> <laughs> so those are just some, like, some real life things that could cause zombie-like symptoms in a person. So... Here's a good question for you. What should you do if a zombie apocalypse were to ever occur? Do you guys have an emergency plan in place? Shoot anything that comes close. Shoot anything that comes close. Well, I, according to the CDC, you should prep just as you would any other serious emergency or natural disaster. So get a go bag. Yeah, get a go bag. Mm. I read a really cute little blog post written for the CDC by a guy named uh, Ali S. Khan. And it was clearly written for children, but I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) So if a zombie apocalypse were to ever occur, first, build your emergency kit, you dummy. Is that what it said on there? No, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) But your kit should include basic necessities like water, food, medication, and first aid supplies, tools, sanitation items like soap, stuff like that. And important documents. Make sure you have your birth certificate and your driver's license. Two, step two, uh, devise an emergency plan with your family. What will you do when zombies start eating brains in your area? First pick a meeting spot, you guys. James, what's your meeting spot in case of an emergency? Uh, The woods. The woods. Okay. (laughs) Well, it sounds to me like, James, you need to come up with your emergency plan. You're not nearly (laughs) planned enough. Why'd you hesitate? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) so pick a meeting spot one right outside your home for sudden emergencies and then one outside your neighborhood in case you can't get back to your home Mm. okay so next identify your emergency contacts jot down numbers for like police fire department and also an out-of-state contact james that would be you for us or grandma who knows (laughs) (laughs) last is plan (coughs) i need water again I'm talking too much, you guys. No worries. Okay. So last, plan your evacuation route. How the heck will you get out of Dodge when the zombies start knocking at your door? At 100 miles an hour. (laughs) At 100 miles an hour. So long as we have a car. So that was the CDC's recommendations for planning how to survive a zombie apocalypse. But doomsday preppers are a little bit more thorough. The CDC didn't mention anything about having any weapons to protect yourself. Mm. But doomsday preppers are like, you get those guns, you get those knives, you get those crossbows. Exactly. Have them ready. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I listened to a podcast with a doomsday prepper. And he was saying, like, he has a gun, but he doesn't even ha- carry it on him. Uh, Not in much like, of any it. scenario. He just keeps it in his bag because it can escalate situations faster than they should. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Because he, he was raised in a doomsday cult. Ooh. Ah. What podcast was that? Uh, that was uh, Colin's last stand fireside chats. And he just interviews random people with all kinds of different backgrounds. But that one was pretty cool. Ah. 
Neato. Well, there are actually a ton of apocalypse training camps around the United States, and they'll teach you how to prepare and live through a zombie apocalypse. But nice. in, in reality, it's more like wilderness survival training. So it'll teach you how to build a camp, how to garden, how to build a fire, firearms training, and so on and so forth. Ah, okay. So that sounds fun. Sounds like we gotta sign up. Yeah, just a little information for you. And they have like family courses, which is pretty cool. So we could take little baby Gwen someday <laughs> and teach her. <laughs> this is how you fire a crossbow, Gwen. So anyway, <laughs> that is just a little bit about some things that can cause zombie-like symptoms in the world. Yeah, amongst people right now. So diseases, diseases, or... viruses, prions. Oof. Lots to watch out for. Parasites. Oof. Oof, parasites. If I was a Batman, now my money'd be on Cordyceps. Yeah. yeah, that one's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. All of it's terrifying. Yeah, that was interesting, that Alex Jones podcast where he was talking about flipping toxoplasmosis affecting people. Maybe that's what'll oh, cause. Yeah, cause. <laughs> yeah that's an interesting one. So to- to- toxoplasmosis is this, uh, what is it, a virus? It's a it's a parasite. It's a yeah, worm. it's a parasite that infects the brain that you get from cats, and that's why a lot of people say that you shouldn't have a cat when you have like a small child in the room or, or whatever, because litter boxes are infested with those. Yeah, and apparently they make you. I've heard that they make you more, I guess, carefree. But then some yeah. people, and then they also make you like crazy cat lady. Yeah, I uh, see. This is interesting. I actually said this when I was in high school, and my friends said I was insane. I was like, I've got a theory. And I told them about it, and they made fun of me for it, and now verified. Can uh, you blame them? Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I found out about that parasite, and I was like, that's totally where cat ladies come from. Well, you were right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I guess it's not that much of a stretch to see one, something like one of those come over to humans. Yeah, I mean they're inhumans and they influence our behavior. So I've always I mean, wanted a cat, and now I don't. Yeah, outdoor cats—that's where it's at. So guys, Best of both worlds. <laughs> Do you think that zombie apocalypse is realistic in real life? Not mm. quite. I, mm. I can see these things getting stamped out pretty quick. Because mm. unless the incubation yeah. period was long. Yeah, I love how long incubation period. I would, I would say that it gets stamped out pretty quick. Hmm. What about you, James? I'd say it depends on the definition of zombie. If we're talking like not a living dead stuff, no. But I mean, if you play fast and loose with the rules, like if you if you look at social media, we might already kind of be there. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, all those all those Instagram thoughts. The oh. apocalypse is here. It's true. It's interesting to think about because um, when you think of zombie, like what automatically comes to comes to mind is what you see in movies. But there are lots of different definitions for zombies. Yeah, yeah, there is, and that's true. Because my first thought was something dead that came back to life, but there's all kinds of different things. Yeah. And, I, and it's kind of funny because my my favorite zombie movie, Twenty Eight Days Later, is about a virus, not about a uh, dead people coming. It's back not to about life. dead people coming back to life. True. Yeah. So man, I gotta rewatch that. Like oh, I forgot man. how good that was. The they're both pretty good. The 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 sequel, Twenty Eight Weeks Later, Weeks is pretty later, good yeah. too. 
Yeah. I will say, James, is your neighbor taking a shower? Yeah, again? I was going to ask No, you. It's, it's actually, whatever storm you guys got, I guess it's moved up north. It's rattling oh. the windows. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. stay dry, James. <laughs> stay dry. Yeah, stay dry. So I guess right. I guess I guess we're done talking about zombies. Well, yeah. we got to do our our new thing we're doing. We do. We yeah. need to figure out what we're going to be talking about next week. And my good friend Kate Sayer recommended this to me, but we've written down a whole bunch of topics that we think would be really interesting and we're we're going to put them in a hat and draw one out and that is going to determine what we talk about do next week. Do we want to give people an idea or <laughs> or maybe that would spoil for well, future things. What we what we want to do is we want you to send us your recommendations. What do you want to hear us talk about? Yeah. And so submit your topics to us. You can do it on Twitter. You can do it on Instagram. Search for us. Uh, our name is the number 13. So 13TH Floor Podcast. So that's the thir- 13th Floor Podcast. You got it. Yeah. Search for us there. Send us your topics so that we can throw yours into the hat. And if you're lucky, we'll draw it out and talk about it next week. Somebody send deja vu. Yeah, somebody send deja vu. That's what we really want to talk about. Okay, so I'm going to – I just dropped them all on the floor. All right, Alex, pick one out. Which one are we talking about I'm next week? this one. Weird weather phenomenon. Ooh. Ooh. So, James, uh, g- give an example of weird weather phenomenon that we're going to talk- be talking about next week. Uh, in some places, it rains what appears to be blood. Ooh. Wow. Okay, so I got I do have a quick question about this before we go. Okay. Now, I know like a volcano isn't weather, but would something geological count? Or is I it think so. Weather? Yeah, I would count. Okay. It would count. Uh, 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 we'll see. I might try to stick to weather, but I already have an idea. Okay. So we'll see. So, guys, our music is Signal by Grant Cook. You can find him on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, basically anywhere you can find nifty tunes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I guess uh, we should... Closing line. Oh. Yeah. One. So... Two. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what... Keep it. Yeah. Keep One, it two, three. Keep, Keep it strange. strange. Oh, yes, we got it. We got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, we go, guys.